Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Hello, everyone. Ed, Hello. Nathan, how are y'all doing? Doing We're, good. I'm good. Ed doing to good. my right here. Yes, that's right. That is your right. I, yes. I will say, I just recently and had somebody come up to me and say, uh, I've listened to your podcast. You said that you wouldn't believe there was an audience unless I came and told you, so I came to tell you. Well, hey, thank you. For so telling. someone came and told me. I won't believe that happened to you. Tell me their name. Oh, I don't, I'm not going to say who it is. Say their name. Want, no. I don't want that. Say their name. They don't no. want, probably say want my name. Say my name. They don't probably want people to know. So They don't want people to know they listen to this podcast. Ah, they just felt like true. they needed me to know. Sponsored by. We are someone's yeah. guilty pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about pleasure, but they're yeah. guilty. If they're listening audio-wise, you know, I never, I don't look at the audio count very regularly to see how many people are downloading the audio and not watching not on YouTube. Watching it. Yeah. I don't huh. know. I haven't I done know. that either. Why don't y'all tell us if you're watching on, on YouTube or you're listening on audio. Information we just, nobody cares about. That's right. <laughs> We're trying to come up with it. Please talk to us. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I don't have much time, so we're going to get right into Uh-oh. this. Uh-oh. Okay. Jason's got a hot date. No. <laughs> That's not true. Now, we got, we've got something at the end of the podcast we're going to do that's special. We've got a special Very guest. Exciting. Very special. exciting. Yes, yeah, special guest. So we need to get, get this set up. Get to it. That's right. So um, if you joined us uh, this past weekend for one of our experiences <laughs> online or – it sounds so official when you it say does. it that way. It's an experience. It sounds like a little bit of a slight. A little bit. <laughs> It was an experience. It was an experience. <laughs> we had an experience this We have weekend. them every I've single week. I've heard call them gatherings. Gatherings. Yeah. All right, that's good. All right. One of our <laughs> gatherings, either online or on site, uh, we started a new series. Well, well it's a, a continuation. continuation. It's a continuation. Ex- yeah. I, I think of it in terms of being, you know, so we've been studying since the 1st of January. Uh Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we've been talking about how that will bring your the pieces of your life to peace, mm-hmm. P-E-A-C-E. But because we don't often live with that firm foundation, our pieces have broken our world also into a mess. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there is a whole bunch of not loving your neighbor going on because we don't stand on that foundation. Mm-hmm. So last week... Uh, two weeks ago, yeah. you taught on uh, the last part of that, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. as yourself, yep. as being you know Jesus' command. And so we, in this next part, are going to talk about one of the big pieces that is broken in our world where there is currently no peace mm-hmm. uh, because we don't love our neighbor. Yes. So, so there you go. So That's the full explanation. <laughs> They're longer than you wanted because we got a special guest. Mm-hmm. So we are talking <laughs> about race. Yeah, and probably um, I, you get all the questions, Ed. So I'm just going to assume because I heard you say this. One of the bigger questions that I think you get when uh, we've done this in the past is, why are we talking about this? As if it's something that we probably should not talk about. And I would imagine having talked about it this past summer, which we did, um, and now we're circling back to it again. Uh, some of those same questions are probably going to come up. But why are we talking about this again? You know, the interesting thing is I can have continued since that. And then we've had um, we had a class, a racial reconciliation yep. class, which was awesome, I thought. And then we since then have a racial reconciliation book club that we have some of us been reading and discussing. And uh, just in passing, I was uh, out and somebody stopped me in a parking lot and we had a little too long a parking lot conversation around the idea that, you know, 
talking about this stuff is what's creating the problem. Hmm. Oh. And I've heard that more than one. If, if you know, I get that it might be a problem, but talking about it isn't going to make it any better, hmm. which is what you say just before the divorce. <laughs> you know, that's, I think if we just don't talk about this, mm. honey, yeah. it will get better. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and I think it's, it's a, it's, it's core to the uh, gospel itself is this idea. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned it kind of even in your setup of the series we're in, right? You have people, right, who don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they have broken pieces of their lives. But by the nature of the way God made us, we we live together. We live with one another. We live with other people. We form cultures and societies and governments and nations. And, you know, even on small levels, we form families and we form, you know, neighborhood associations and everything we can. We form these little cultures. And when you get enough broken people, well, we're going to form broken families and we're going to form broken systems and broken nations and broken governments and broken everything. And we we seem to be okay talking about that in lots of areas. We're okay saying, you know what? Our, our nation's not getting this thing right. Our nation's not getting that thing right. We as a people aren't always getting this thing right. We as Christians don't always get this right. But it does feel often when we bring up issues of race that there's something within us, and I mean all of us, that gets a little more uncomfortable maybe than other times. There tends to be this... Uh, and that feeling of don't bring it out, don't talk about it, which we know in terms of sin, and I'm just talking about sin right here, uh, that feeling is always the moment when you're bringing it to light where healing can actually happen, that in the darkness, sin wants to stay in the darkness where no one talks about it. Your secrets keep you sick. You want to keep those things, and so we as a church are trying to do what we want to do with every issue that is hurting people in our world and within our own souls that we want to bring wholeness. And the first step of bringing wholeness is being able to talk about it. And, and, and forgive me if I'm jumping a little too far ahead, but you know, I, in this three week talk that we're going to have about this, I mean, I, you're, you're going to make clear in this series that this is central to the gospel. Right. Well, yeah, I think more so, I guess what I decided to do in this particular series uh, you know, the first time, if, for those that might remember, uh, we were particularly talking about, uh, we wound up talking about politics being a problem That's in our right. world in that series, and then we ended by talking about race uh, in that series as being a problem. But we were talking about a whole bunch of things that are causing problems, and we talked about it from that point of view. In this, I wanted to make clear how central this idea of people living Human beings being able to live in the church, in union, together, is central to what Jesus came to do. Mm. Absolutely. And I guess over the last nine months since, and not quite nine months, um, of studying, reading, talking about it, it's become crystal clear to me that so much of the New Testament is written we miss it. We mm. miss it, but it's written about this issue. It is. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to read any of the letters in the New Testament, particularly that Paul writes, that once you see it, you can't unsee it. He's continually saying, hey, 
y'all live together in harmony. Y'all get along, mm-hmm. and it's all about Jews and Gentiles. It's about women and men getting along. It's about slaves and free. It's about socioeconomic and ethnic divisions that would keep them apart and in the Roman world did keep them apart. Oh, yeah. And now in the church, they're coming together. And because it had been so averse to their culture to be together, he's constantly have to say to them, no, this is the gospel. We have to love each other. We have to love each other. And we're setting an example for the world. And I would say, and I do in by talking about this, it is what Jesus prayed. In John 17, Mm -hmm. Jesus prayed that we'd be one. And I believe at the core of this was this, that God created... One human race, sin screwed it up, and mm-hmm. through the gospel, God was designing to get his plan back on track. And I think you're right. Um, we miss this so much. I know I did in er- my earlier life of reading just the book of Acts. Mm. If you read the book of Acts, which is the book that tells us the history of the very earliest church development, how it developed and how it grew and how it exp- how it expanded, um, it's almost exclusively a story of how the initial followers of Jesus were fighting to get over their own racism. Yes. Mm-hmm. It just happens over and over and over again. There's so many chapters. It's hard to go through a chapter in the book of Acts and not see that as a problem they're overcoming. And, and the reason I think I missed it so much is because it uses words that are foreign to me That's right. that don't represent me. I'm not a Jew, mm-hmm. and I don't ever think of myself as a Gentile. So those two <laughs> yeah. words, you know... They don't mean much to me. There's some people from long ago, and they're actively working at conquering racism in the church. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, you know, you take, you talk about all the letters that are written. You take Romans, which is for most people, and I'll say what I mean is most preachers and theologians yeah. and people who study, it is like what we consider like a theological treatise. It is about everything that Paul believed about Jesus and that. And there's this phrase that often we hold on to of, at least in our stream of Christianity, of this justification by faith. And we think Paul is just writing about what Jesus did. And we totally miss the context. The entire book of Romans is written to a church that when it began, because of all things did, it was in mostly a Jewish church that Gentiles were in, But then sometime uh, in history, the Roman emperor expels all the Jews, including all the Jewish Christians. So they leave. And what was culturally, I'm talking about culturally, ethnically, culturally, a Jewish Christian church, right? They all leave. They then get to come back about a decade later when they come in. It's now... exclusively a Gentile church. Now culturally, it's become Gentile, and yes. they don't know what to do. And hmm. and and with all the different <laughs> cultures, I mean, everyone knows this, the different cultures here in America between white churches and black churches, culturally, we, we worship different. We have different kind of cultures within that. And now these Jewish Christians have to come back in. And so Paul begins it. And all the stuff we see that he's leading up to where he's saying, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, he's not giving just some abstract idea. He's saying... Because he begins with saying, here's how the Gentiles should have known they were messing up. Here's how the Jews should have known they were messing up. You all equally have fallen short. You all equally get to be justified by faith. So we, And then he goes into this whole section where he starts talking about, so this is what it looks like to love like brothers. And then the last chapter is him going in and saying, 
All right, now I'm raising money to go to Spain, which <laughs> is ethnically like none of you. Yep. Yeah. And y'all got to get money to Jerusalem so we can do this. Y'all got to care about some people who are ethnically nothing like you. And when we read those things, most of us don't ever read the end of those things where he's given all the little, uh, you know, greetings to different stuff. people. Yeah, yeah. personal. We think, well, that's not important. We don't care as much about the beginning of Romans because there's a lot of sin stuff, which makes me uncomfortable. It's that middle part where it says, I'm justified by faith. And I think what Paul's saying is, I personally was okay with Jesus and I'm getting to go to heaven. And we're missing, he's talking about what you guys do here. It's all it's all over. Well, Ephesians again, is that ultimately, way. ultimately, it is about us all getting right with God. But one of the clearest examples that things have changed between me and God, as we just talked about, yeah. right. is that relationship between me and every other human being begins to change. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't begin to change. It is an indication that I have not fully understood what God wanted to take place in me. And so the church became this living example. In fact, it just came clear to me in writing this, you know, there's a place where, and I know you've taught this, Jason, I know most recently, I remember you talking it, husband and wives, and we say this in weddings, they become a picture when the two become one and they mutually submit to each other, right. they become a picture to people of what of what Christianity is. Yes. It becomes a picture of it. Mm -hmm. But when we ethnically in the church become this multicultural, multi socioeconomic, and there's human beings that un have no reason to be together except Jesus, mm. we become a picture as well of mm -hmm. what God intended the world to be. And when we don't, we just look like another example of some club that the world has plenty of examples of yeah. people who believe the same thing that hang out together and do odd stuff together. It's frustrating. I know a lot of Christians who would who would stand up and completely agree with the with the statement that we want to see the message of Jesus in the world. People, life change happen in people, and the gospel taking hold in our in our world, in our culture, in our neighborhoods, and and yet this stain on the church of racism has hindered the gospel as much, if not more, than any other thing. And we don't seem to be as interested in wanting to, to fix that. But, and, and, I, and I don't understand that because I think if we would begin, like you said, if, if the world would see that the church is, because the church has messed this up so much, and we're going to talk about that more, but if we could figure that out as the church and start to make some, some, some yes. actual change in that area, then it would help the gospel yeah. to, to be more attractive and to it. Well, if for no other reason do I believe that, not because I have seen it. Mm -hmm. I have not seen oh, no. it. I haven't seen it. I believe it because Jesus prayed for it, and he said when it happened mm -hmm. that the world would believe. And I do know that the one time it did happen, which is in the book of Acts, mm -hmm. They literally changed the world in 200 years yeah. when that was the case. And then when we began to separate into our own little factions, we have created the mess we have. Yeah. You know, but when we, they did what Jesus said, his prayer was fulfilled, and then we decided, oh, that doesn't matter. Hmm. I'll tell you one little story out of my favorite book, The Patient Ferment of the Early Church, <laughs> uh, which is about the first five. I wonder years. when you're not going to bring that up again. I don't know, man. It's a great book. Uh, but anyway, Obviously. there's this story out of it. 
which uh, about the first 500 years, and exactly what you're talking about right here, where um, he makes this point in one of the sections that how um, ethnically, class-wise, uh, diverse the church was, uh, it was it was attractive that um, when they would be taken to the Colosseum, there's a story of two women, one who was an older, socially elite woman, but because she was a Christian, she was able to be killed in the Colosseum, and then a young slave who had just given birth. In fact, there's this whole part of the story which is just bizarre where she's they're they're terrified that the baby is because she's still pregnant so they pray and an hour before she's going to be taken she gives birth and the baby is saved and gets taken by the church and is taken care of but she still in the process of nursing is taken out to this thing this young slave girl and there's a bull that is used to kill the women and the slave girl gets knocked down and she's cut and she's bleeding in this rich social elite woman who ethnically was different than her runs over to her because they were in the same house church picks her up and holds her and they cry together and pray as they're killed and it said that there were notes from some early churches that that day there were hundreds of people who were overwhelmed with emotion that there were these women who were racially different and were uh, socially class-wise different that loved each other so much they couldn't understand it. The fact that they would hold each other up and be willing to die together uh, was so just unheard of that it won many over. Now, of course, there were many that found it completely unattractive and didn't want anything to do with that, but there were so many that did, and that that was their witness. No one preached a sermon. That's how they knew. Something's different about these Well, those kind of things that the church does that we aren't, intentionally doing for witness we are doing them because they're obedient that's right right god does what god is the one that draws people god is the one and we try so hard to draw people with other things without being obedient yeah and if we would be obedient and do the things we can do to draw things i'm convinced we would be much greater impact so oh, yeah. I don't know how much time you have before we go to our special guest. I, I do want to say this one thing. I've been saying on this podcast and other places, and particularly in our staff stuff, I am I am personally uh, convicted these days of the disunity of the church and how much we are ruining the, the witness that Jesus intended us to have by just not being able to get along. Mm-hmm. I say it now everywhere I can. Isn't it sad that churches don't like each other? Mm-hmm. And it always gets people's attention, but ain't nobody contradicted me yet. <laughs> no, because it's true. And I'm, I have a meeting coming up soon where I've finally gotten some other churches to, greet, to meet together. And, you know, for podcast listeners, why don't you all just pray that that meeting goes well? Mm-hmm. These are even churches we really don't have a reason not to like each other. No, mm-hmm. we don't have any reason not to get along. We don't have racial divisions. We don't have any of the big barriers. I just wanted to start at a low level and see if we can start. <laughs> and uh, I'm just, you know, I, I pray that something will start out of that. And so if y'all want to awesome. pray for something, that would be that would be worth you giving some effort to for that meeting. It's yes. going to happen in a few weeks. Great. Well, um, the guest that we're going to bring on now is, um, is a guy that we had is becoming a good friend of our church. And he, sure is, is. he is doing something in our community uh, to, to bring about that racial reconciliation. And, and we were, you know, when we talked about this in the summer, I, I remember you said this, Ed, we're just looking for somebody who, you know, who's doing this. We want to get behind it. We want to support it. And, and I'll say partner this, with him. 
I, I think that he is an answer to prayers I, I yes. and oth- others I of agree. us were praying. That's right. Whether we can continue to support Derek and let Derek lead, mm-hmm. I mean, he may totally outgrow us, which would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as much as we can, we want to support him. We're very yeah. thankful for him. So, Nathan, you sat down with Derek yeah. Teagle. Yeah, we, we had a, a Google Meet. We're able to kind of talk about what he and his organization, Empowered for Life, are doing and what we're able to kind of partner with him about. This was in our virtual lobby on Sunday, the maybe the 31st. 31st. And um, so some of you may have already seen parts of this, but I'll say I had to edit it down because it was so long for our virtual lobby. But there's some fun stuff in there. Uh, we talk about the NBA a lot because we're both NBA uh, fans. And uh, we also get to talk about some of the work he's doing uh, towards racial justice and really just bringing unity between all the different broken pieces of our community. So I really hope you guys uh, enjoy this. All right. So let's uh, take you to that right now, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Well, I am right now in a Google Meet uh, with a great guy and a leader of an organization that we here at Community Christian have actually been partnering with for the last month and a half or so, uh, as he and his organization are doing great things right here in our community, here in Coweta County, uh, to make a difference uh, in the lives of uh, students and families and uh, just our entire community. Uh, His name is Derek Teagle, and he is uh, the founder and organizer. What's your role at uh, Empowered for Life? What's the name of the organization. Oh, what what is the title that you have over there, Derek? Title is director. Uh, okay, but the reality, I'm just a mentor. Uh, but the title is director. Okay, great. Well, uh, like I said, Derek's uh, organization, Empowered for Life. Uh, partners with uh, com- communities and partners with students within the community to really help those students be, as the name suggests, right, empowered uh, for life. And I know we have been helping uh, Derek and Empowered for Life uh, by sending some volunteers to help out at um, some weekend basketball games you guys have been hosting. Um, so, Derek, why don't you tell a little bit about how that's been going and kind of what's happening there and and, and how uh, the partnership with Community Christian has been helpful to you guys. Okay. Um, we did a five-week basketball league. Uh, we started uh, mid-November, early November, and we finished up uh, mid-December. And this was, was a way to get kids in the community to play basketball but have community leaders come to them. So connect the dots where community leaders will meet with kids. They talk about basketball. Basketball was our tool uh, to get the kids there. And once they dare, it gave us the opportunity to pour wisdom into the kids. So we stopped December the 15th, I think was the last day. We could restart back up on March the 13th. Uh, just in, in March the 13th, we actually going to do two weekends where we're not going to do basketball. Uh, we're going to feed the kids and we're going to bring them in. We're just going to talk to them like a roundtable discussion about topics. So we're not going to play basketball those two weekends. In April, we're going to start back with a basketball league. Uh, but we will meet the same kids in March, March the 13th. And you're going to have conversation with them, a roundtable discussion about life. Um, so we're doing that for two weeks in March. Then in April, we'll start back up with our basketball league, a five-week basketball league for kids. Awesome. And I know that kind of the um, the goal, because and we'll talk about this in a minute, but you had an event this past Saturday 
Um, well, at the point that uh, this is probably airing, it was actually a couple Saturdays ago, but you had an event called Connect the Dots, and your hope, as you said, is to connect students with people, um, community leaders and pastors, um, uh, people in law enforcement, um, just all these, and help them kind of connect the dots and see all the perspectives. Is that a fair way to put it? No doubt. Also, uh, the, the, the reverse side of it, I want the, the pastors and the leaders and the mayors and the district attorneys to feel the key experience as well. Because I think sometimes we overlook uh, the importance of their words. So we got to listen to them as well. Even though we're the adults, it's okay to listen to them as well and what they got going on. So it's a, it's a win-win. They're listening to us. We're listening to them. And we both listen. Once again, we, we can win. Uh, we can come together. But I think a lot of times where a kid is talking, some of the adults shut them down. In reality, they got a lot to say. Um, some stuff you might not want to hear, but we need to hear it regardless. You know, so that was connecting the dots. It's a way that people can hear each other, uh, no matter who you are, whether you're a janitor, where you're a district attorney, where you're a mayor, whatever you are. We all got an opinion. And we all deserve to be, li- be listening to. Absolutely. And, you know, Derek, I love the heart of what you're talking about there, too, because it not only goes to the heart of what we as a church have really been working on over the past uh, you know, couple of years here, but also really what the heart of Jesus' mission is, which is in order for us to really love our neighbor, we have to know our neighbor. We we have to, as you said, listen to our neighbor. And so much in our world is uh, us talking at people and not talking with people. And this is such a practical way uh, for us as believers to, to get involved in the lives of our neighbors and to love them and to serve them and to learn from them as hopefully they also learn from us. And so uh, we love Empowered for Life here at uh, Community uh, Christian, and we are so thankful to be involved. And I know you said you've had a few volunteers already uh, help you out back in November and December. Right. Well, definitely, uh, Miss Molly, uh, Keith has been very, pretty much everything we have been doing for the past month and a half. Uh, they have both been involved in, but also other members as well. But Molly and Keith has been like everywhere. <laughs> like anything, everywhere I'm at, Keith is at, you know, which is a great thing. Um, but I love the fact of that the spirits of the church, because even when I came and visited the church uh, two Sundays ago, I still felt that same spirit with the members there. So it just tells me that Pastor Ed is leading in the right way, and a lot of folks are listening uh, to, to his leadership. So a uh, big shouts out to the whole ministry there, because you can tell from the top throughout the part of the ministry that everyone is on the same page or, or at least everyone is listening to each other. I would say that part. Yes. Well, that's hopefully uh, will continue to happen here uh, at Community Christian. And as we partner with Empowered for Life, that uh, together we can really bless this community and bless the lives of not just students, but all of us, as as you said, we're learning from each other and learning how to, to love one another and ultimately working towards this goal of justice and uh, in particular as well, uh, racial justice, which I know uh, the event you held um, uh, back in January at the point that this is playing uh, was really designed to help do this Connect the Dots event. So, so do you want to explain very briefly kind of what the Connect the Dots event was uh, designed to do? Well, basically, it's a, it's a four-part seminar that we're going to do every three to four months where we have a seminar. Our next target date is May the 8th. Um, but it's a way that we can get 
so many different people in, in one spot. And once again, listen, just listen. Uh, what you got going on? How can we help each other? Like one of the reasons why I wanted the district attorney to be on this one, I want people to know who he really is, but also the open door policy that he really has and how he really wants to solve some cases. But also I want kids to be able to trust law enforcement officers to the point where if they see a crime in their neighborhood, they can feel good to go talk to an officer and say, hey man, I saw this. Let's solve this crime together. Let me help you. That's how we all win, where we get the bad people that should be behind the bars, behind bars, and we're not hiding stuff. You know, So I've been a part of that before when I was younger, where, where I really want to tell on someone or I don't want to quote unquote snitch. You know, so I've been a part of that that mindset. And I understand it's better when we're working together. You know, I want the criminals to be in jail. You know, I want the criminals to be, uh, go through that process of doing things the right way, you know, learning their mistakes. So I'm not knocking any criminal or anyone who's in jail, but we can help solve some stuff if we come together. But it's a two-way street. You know, they got to do their part. We got to do our part. Uh, and I shared this, that the first time I met with Buster Meadows, Officer, uh, Chief Meadows, um, I told him that I really didn't feel law enforcement officers. I really didn't feel them. Uh, but I told him I was willing to develop a relationship with them. That was seven years ago. And in the last seven years, we had this crazy relationship, not with me and just Buster, me and law enforcement officers all together, but my group in the Newland Police Department. Now we're working with the County County Sheriff Department, trying to broaden the horizon of our partnership where we really can believe in each other, we can trust each other, and we can help do some, we can do some things together. So I'm very thankful for Officer Meadows uh, joining forces with Empowerful Life. I'm thankful, thankful for um, Sheriff Lynn Wood, who want to do the same thing. It's, it's all about coming together and being on the same page. Uh, that's why I'm so thankful with your church, because we still got the same mindset. We want to help each other, help people. It don't matter if I'm black and you're white and you're brown or you're tall and I'm short. Like, it's, let's just help people. Like, I'm, I'm with that mindset. If it's positive, and you want to help someone, let's roll. If it's negative, you don't want to help nobody, I don't want to roll with you. And that's one thing I'm very thankful about talking to Pastor Ed, but also dealing with Molly and dealing with Keith that I feel it like, man, let's just do some stuff. Like, I'm healthy, you healthy, let's do some stuff. You know, and that's why I look at it. And I, and I think that's great. And I think certainly everyone uh, who is longtime a community Christian can, can understand the heart of that and, and wanting to help bring people together because we know that at the core of what Jesus did on the cross, it wasn't just about bringing us together with God, but the ability now for people, people who are vastly different, doesn't matter race or gender or class, all people can be brought together in one in Christ. And in one very important part of that is building trust, building relationships, listening to one another, and Empowered for Life is is doing some great work with that. So if you want to get involved with Empowered for Life, the Derek's number is on screen. This is Derek's phone number. You can text him right now and say, I'm in. I want to help. Whatever you got, and Derek will reach out to you and uh, let you know what opportunities he's got coming up uh, to help. As you said, you've already got uh, another basketball league starting in March. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So, you know, you know, March is since we have a biggie. Um, in November, I uh, we always challenge our kids and organ organization uh, to give one dollar a week for five weeks, and we use the money that they fundraise uh, to give to local communities. Uh, we give to local nonprofits, even though we're a nonprofit. And this year, uh, we fundraised almost twenty seven hundred dollars, and we're gonna use that money to build beds for kids in our community. So we partner 
excuse me, with Sleep and Heavenly Peace. Um, this organizer name is uh, Tommy Webb. And um, we, we fundraised $2,700 to build beds. So on March the 6th, uh, we're going to get together and we're going to build beds for kids in our community that don't have beds. So what we're asking for that day is plenty of volunteers because the more volunteers we have, the easier the process it is. So uh, I'm not a big builder. I never bid, built a bed before in my life, um, but I will, I, I'm willing to learn. But I want other folks who are love to, willing to learn as well. Do it to a right cause. The cause is that it's kids in our community that are sleeping on the floor. So we bought the material. We bought, we paid for that. Let's come together and build the beds and deliver the beds to kids for kids to sleep on a, a real bed at nighttime and not the floor. So if you're available, March the 6th, that's our build day. Uh, feel free. Uh, hit hit me up. Hey, Derek, I'm interested in volunteering. The more, the better. Uh, once again, I'm not a bed builder, so I don't want to build all these beds by myself. Uh, so please join me and join the organization as we're going to build beds for kids in our community that are sleeping on the floor. That right there is what we call a twofer, which is one, you get to go build beds for kids in need, but also you'll get to partner with Derek and some of his students and you'll actually get to, to, to build relationships here. And you're not just helping kids in, in you know, one community, you're helping kids in another community and you yourself are getting help. So that's like a threefer right there. You need to text Derek right now and tell him, hey, I'm in March 6th. I'll be there. He'll get you the information. Well, I hope you guys will do that right now. But before we're done, I told you guys earlier in our virtual lobby that we wanted you to join in the conversation. Hopefully you guys have been engaging right now and saying what great ideas Nathan and Derek have, how brilliant Nathan and Derek are. I hope you've been saying that the whole time, but in case you haven't been saying that, maybe you could join in right now. Derek and I are gonna be answering some discussion questions here. These are very light icebreaker kind of questions. They give you a chance to interact with one another because as we've said, this isn't meant to just be content you consume, but we're all in the community building business here at Community Christian Church. And we want you to build a community right now with the people that you're online with. So engage in these questions. So Derek, you ready for this? Yes. All right. Here we go. Here's our very first question. If you could have one job for any for one for one week, so any job for one week, what would it be? So you're not committing forever to do this thing, but if you could do it for one week, what would it be? Wow. Yeah. You got question. an idea on that? Uh one job for one week. Uh I would like to work for uh, ESPN. I would like oh. to work for ESPN. Uh anything, whereas I'm on stage doing a broadcast or on the sidelines, um, a sideline reporter for ESPN. I would like that. Yeah, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. Uh, I think for me, any job for one week, um, I would like to work in like maybe like a food truck or something where I could kind of travel around and eat food. I don't know if that maybe okay food critic. I don't want to cook the food. I want to eat the food, and just just travel around, eat food, tell people tell people what I think about it. Uh, now you guys hopefully are answering that question right now. But since you've already brought up ESPN, and I know last time our conversation moved to the NBA, uh, what you feeling right now in the NBA? You still you still got? I, remember, I think you said Nets and Lakers in the finals. Is that still still what you're feeling? 
No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I, I think they're looking pretty good. I think that I think uh, the the Nets are going to be pretty tough. I think the Lakers going to be tough. The Hawks, man, they're like up and down. I can't figure out what's going on. But they are better than it was last year, so that's that's an improvement. Yes, everything's an improvement on last year. But I will say the Trey Young Clint Capella combo right there. That's that's a dangerous combo. But that's clicking. They, that's that's clicking right now. Yes, it is. It is. So. Anyway, but yeah, I, I was very excited. And then they were hurt during the Bucks game, so whatever. That that was that was a travesty. But anyway, all right. Well, hopefully you guys have been answering one job you would want to have uh, for one week. All right. Here's the next one. Who was slash is your favorite superhero and why? So when you think of superheroes, maybe as a kid you had a favorite. And you're not into superheroes now, but. Maybe you still are superheroes, big business. Now, I will say this: I heard you on um, at your event this past Saturday uh, talk about uh, Daryl Smith, who was there speaking, and you said that uh, he was a mentor of yours, and he's the uh, comic book theologian around here. Is 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 what he said? So, are you a superhero guy too? Um, not as strong as Daryl, but I grew up. I was a big Superman person. Like I love Superman. I love the idea how he transformed. Uh, I love the, the Clark Kent, the Superman uh, analogy. So I would say Superman for sure. Yeah, I, I love Superman. I'm a, I'm a big Superman guy. Um, I'm hoping for another uh, good Superman movie sometime soon. Um, I grew up, I grew up reading a ton of comic books, so I was, I was all about. So whole time Daryl was talking on Saturday, man. He had me zoned in. It. I mean, I know he was primarily talking to the teenagers, but man, I was. I was like, yes, he had me. Because, uh, yeah, I was huge into comic books as a kid. Even now, still, uh, read. I'm reading to my kids. Um, I would say it changes for me who, who my favorite is. I'll say right now, because of my kids and who they're into, um, the Miles Morales Spider-Man um, from, uh, if, you have, if you've seen Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, uh, they are all about that. He's kind of the young, hip Spider-Man right now. And so... Um, he, he's, they're very into that. So that's very exciting. Cause I think that's, th- that's one of the, the, the big characters that they're, they're very excited about. So it makes me excited that they're excited. And, uh, and he's a newer kind of super. So I don't know as much about him as I do, um, the ones I grew up reading. So hopefully you guys answering that question right now. All right. So the third question here is, what's your best scar story? So a lot of us got scars and stories that go with that. And I won't, I, we won't limit it to scars because I actually don't think I have any scars, uh, but uh, injury stories. So do you have any kind of like, what's your best injury story? Eric, you got one in mind? I have a scar story and an injury story. Okay. Uh, the scar story is go back to my past, which is okay um, because that's, that's my past. Um, but my best scar story is a true story, and it's uh, it's a scar on my hand. Um, so it's a true story that 1999, New Year's Eve, before I transformed, so let me say that first, um, I was uh, uh, drinking a lot of adult beverages on uh, New Year's Eve. And I decided, which I don't do ever, I'm not a dancer, but I decided to dance on top of my Cadillac. I danced on top of the Cadillac. I fell down and I scarred my hand and my whole hand was just bleeding. Uh, but I'm so drinking too many adult beverages that night that 
I took some masculine tape, a lot of clean nets and toilet paper and wrapped my hand around and, and considered myself healed. Um, not very smart. Uh, hand got very infected the next day and it was a, a long road back. <laughs> so wow. my best car story, best car story is not the best story, but the true story of my past for sure. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And you said you got a good injury story? Uh, the injury story is that when I played basketball in 1993 in high school, I was guarding this guy from McIntosh High School to end up going to University of Kentucky and playing in the NBA with Atlanta Hawks. His name was Jeff Shepard. And Jeff was phenomenal, like phenomenal basketball player, uh, averaged like almost 30 points a game in high school. And the first time we played him that year, I held him to like 12 points. It was like his lowest scoring output of the year. The next time we get ready to play them, I'm going up for a rebound. The very first play of the game, and somebody put their fingers in my eye. And I did not see nothing for the rest of the game. I was on the sideline, did not see the game. Like I was like almost blind. Um, can you hear me? Yes, I, like, I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I almost was blind uh, that night. And I couldn't see anything. And that same night, somebody else guarded Jeff Shepard. He scored 55 points. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He was the That's real intense. Deal. He was definitely a real deal. Wow. Man, I don't think I could beat that. Those are those are two good ones. Um, my best injury scars kind of story is uh we were we used to meet, our church used to meet at uh Madras Middle School, and I would have been like 21, 22 at the time. And um I'm carrying uh, those big, like, we had to carry these big school tables, you know, the very big, heavy ones, uh, wooden ones, back to the um, back to the art room, and it slipped out of my hands and landed on my foot, and the pain was so severe, the first thought in my head was, oh, no, I've ripped off my toenail, and then I thought, well, that's ridiculous. You didn't rip off your toenail, and so I, car- I continue carrying the thing, and I put it down, and when I take off my shoe, my sock is just covered in blood. And I take the sock off and I have indeed, I mean, it just clean ripped the toenail off my big toe. And um, at that point in our church at uh, the Madras campus at the time, uh, we did not have anybody else to uh, lead worship. And I was leading worship that day. So we, we, I took like four Advil and we like wrapped it up with some gauze and some tape. And uh, I put the the bloody sock back on my foot (laughs) And I sat on stage and led worship uh, with with that, and uh, so that was that was kind of fun. It's not really a scar. Tonio looks kind of weird, but uh, it was dedicated and determined for sure, and very dependable. <laughs> yeah, I, well, it was like it wasn't going to happen if it wasn't me. So, uh, and you know, my wife was there, so I had to look kind of tough. But right, right, you know, couldn't let it take me down. All right, hopefully, you guys answered this last question here. Uh, if you won the lottery. What's the first extravagant thing you would buy? So I know we all say I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a give some away, and I'm gonna save some, and you know, I'm gonna pay off my house, whatever it is, you know, all the responsible things. But you just got a whole lot of money. What's the first just thing that you couldn't justify, but you know you're gonna spend the money on? So what's uh, the first thing you had to do? For sure, I know the answer to this one. I want a pimped out RV. Uh, so not oh. just a regular RV, an RV that got all the amazing things you can have on an RV. And I want it pimped out, nice paint job, nice rims. Like, that's what I want. I want a traveling RV that looked amazing. 
where you see like, oh my God, who is that inside of that? That's what I want. I want like a big old tour bus. Yes, 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 yes. That's what I want. That's right. Yeah. It makes me think of, I don't know if you ever used to watch the MTV Cribs when they would do the tour bus editions. Yes. And they would go in, there'd be all kinds of crazy stuff in the middle. Yeah. I like that. I'm a big MTV Cribs guy. I used to watch it a lot. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Me too, man. That's all. That's I I, I loved all that stuff. All right. Uh, So for me, first crazy thing that I would buy, um, I probably, I honestly, and this is how bad it is for me. I, it's all mood based. It'd be whatever. Like it probably would be. I, honestly, I think one thing I would buy, and I don't know if this is extravagant. I think I would buy a restaurant, like, and not like, a, like probably for me. Everyone on the community Christian online knows uh, my love for Popeyes. Even though I try to eat vegetarian as much as I can, um, me and me and Popeyes, we, we got a thing going. So I probably would buy like six Popeyes restaurants. And th- those would make some money for me, but I also would get to go in and eat whatever I want whenever I want. So I don't know if that's, a, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's extravagant or not, but it, it's probably a little too much. So anyway, all right. Well, once again, I want to thank uh, Derek for, for joining us. And of course the number on screen right now, text Derek, if you can be involved in that March 6th event, uh, Derek, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you.